in this episode I didn't want to do dentistry but once I entered Nair Dental I realized that there have are eight branches I didn't know dentistry had eight branches and then I saw oral surgery so when I went to pay my fees that's when I decided that the next best thing to becoming a doctor or a gynecologist which I wanted to be would be to become a oral surgeon so I told my mom that I'm getting out of this building after doing oral surgery third molar surgery is the first major surgical procedure in dentistry and every dentist must be capable of doing it elevation does 80% of the job forceps are just to remove the mobile tooth you have to make the tooth great to mobile with a elevator unless the tooth is mobile don't touch with the forceps you go to remove a tooth only with a forceps without elevating you are surely going to crack the tooth midway it's dilacerated and it's hooked in that case you have to either dig a deeper trench or just start sectioning the tooth at cj remove the crown i use prf now for every case prf is a life saver so it works as a fibrin glue so i have zero incidents of dry socket ever since i started using prf If there is pain on the fourth day the patient is supposed to immediately come to the clinic because on the fourth day I will come to know if the patient is going into a dry socket This is episode 1 of season 6 that is the season of oral and maxillofacial surgery on the 32 minute podcast with Dr Ashwini Bhale Rao Dr. Ashwini Bhale Rao is an oral and maxillofacial surgeon and alumni of Nair Hospital Dental College. She has been practicing oral and maxillofacial surgery exclusively, having her own surgical clinic and attached as a visiting consultant at private nursing homes in Mumbai. She has been a recipient of the prestigious Oral Surgeon of the Year at Famden Excellence in Dentistry Award. Recently in March 2020 she also received the diploma of membership of the Faculty of Dental Surgery from the Royal College of Physicians and Surgeons of Glasgow. She has lectured extensively in India and abroad. Her favorite event was the TEDx conclave at Baden-Baden in Germany in 2017 where she spoke alongside 35 leading lady dentists from around the world. She also holds a 2-day teaching module Fundamentals of Oral Surgery for General Practitioners. A proud Rotarian, she loves doing pro bono work at the Rotary Clinics in Wada, Maharashtra. Mother of two daughters, she loves reading, traveling, and her regimen of running 10 kilometers every day is sacred. Hello Dr. Ashwini, it's such a pleasure and my honor to have you on my show the 32 minute podcast. Thank you so much for coming in. Thank you for inviting me. This is my first podcast Mayur and uh, let me tell you I'm nervous but uh, knowing that it's you on the other side I'm relaxed because I trust you completely. I am sure it's going to be turning out really well. So before we start off with the actual clinical stuff um, if you allow me I'll ask a couple of general things and we'll start off with um, a little bit of fun with rapid fire questions. I'll start off the questions now your favorite holiday destination I like the beaches so I recently went to Maldives and I would say that was one relaxing holiday awesome your favorite outfit uh, sari 
Awesome. Your favorite color? Red. Whoa. This is the second guest actually saying red in on my show. You know that? <laughs> <laughs> no, I I somehow think red uh, equates uh, with passion, and that passion can be for mm-hmm. uh, everything: fun, work, life, yeah. family, hobbies, whatever. And it's something more related to your. Um, oh yes, I love blood. I love blood. <laughs> Yeah. Maybe you're good at making PR. Oh yes, I <laughs> love blood. <laughs> cool. Your favorite clinical procedure? Disinfections. Wow, really? You Absolutely. like to do thermolar disinfections more than uh, trauma cases? The trauma is uh, gratifying, but uh, you mm-hmm. don't always get a perfect result because there is a lot of soft tissue and a hard tissue loss. Yeah. Right, it's gratifying at the end, but it's sad to see these bike accidents and all that. Mm-hmm. Third molars are quick, easy. The patient is thrilled, and it's yeah. uh, more bang for the buck. Awesome, yeah, that's true. <coughs> um, I'm sure when you do it, it's a lot more easy because you follow really awesome procedures, and um, you make it look so simple, actually. It's all practice, Mayur. It's mm-hmm. like uh, when I take. Uh, 27 minutes to do a two-hour procedure. It's 27 mm-hmm. years of work behind me. Patients are paying me for those 27 years. They are not paying me for 27 minutes. Yeah, so that's true. That's absolutely true. Okay, your favorite book? Ah, uh, Gone with the Wind. Favorite textbook? Biology. Really? Awesome. Oh yeah. <laughs> One person you get inspired from? Snehana Paul. Oh, really cool! Luxury holiday or exhaustive trek in nature? Luxury holiday. <laughs> cool, awesome! It was really nice to know a little bit more about you, other than um, the clinical stuff, which you are awesome okay. at. So, thank you so much for answering those rapid fire rounds, rapid fire questions. Thank you. Right. Uh, so, ma'am, in your bio, you have mentioned about your. Um, graduation as well as post graduation i think you've been born and brought up in mumbai itself right born you did your graduation yes, yes. and post graduation in nayar from nayar that was uh, see it was uh, by accident there really? was no cet mine was one of the last batches to be uh, go without the cets okay so i actually wanted to get into medicine i lost okay. admission by one mark and okay. my parents okay. were not very keen on sending me out of bombay Uh-huh, to Aurangabad uh-huh. or uh, something like that. Okay. So the next best thing is dentistry, and uh, mm-hmm. whoever that cut off happens when you don't get into the last uh, medical college left in Bombay, uh, you automatically go to the first in the dental list. And Nair Dental was the first in the dental list, right below JJ. Yeah. So I took admission into Nair Dental. Okay. Once I I was I didn't want to do dentistry, but once mm-hmm. I entered Nair Dental, I realized that there have are eight branches. I didn't know dentistry oh. had eight branches, mm-hmm. and then I saw oral surgery. And on before attending classes, so when I went to pay my fees, that's when mm-hmm. I decided that the next best thing to becoming a doctor or a gynecologist, yeah. which I wanted to be, yeah. would be to become a oral surgeon. So I told my mom that I'm getting out of this building after doing oral surgery. Oh, so okay. I'll be, you know, is there a six-year uh, railway pass? Oh, so yeah. <laughs> she, yeah, yeah. So <laughs> you know, I was that decided. Awesome. And uh, then it was uh, I topped in uh, uh, final year. Whoever mm-hmm. tops gets the seat. 
So yes. I topped the university. I got the Nair seat, and uh, I just followed my passion, Mayur. When I started practice, I started practicing only oral surgery. My colleagues started uh, even after post graduation. They started doing general dentistry and started practicing their specialty within their clinic itself. But uh, the money was better. But I stuck to my field because that was what my passion was about. So I earned much lesser in the beginning before I could make a name for myself. So the first ten years were just networking, networking, working at different clinics as a consultant, waiting for word of mouth to go through. While others in general dentistry leaped ahead much faster. But I'm glad that uh, I didn't dilute my uh, passion, mm-hmm. and that has sustained me. That has made me much more satisfied. and uh, my interest is still uh, growing in fact i'm seriously considering doing a phd now Whoa. now that the children are grown up and have mm-hmm. left for their jobs themselves my daughters are grown up yeah. so uh, one is 23 one is 26 mm-hmm. so they are into their jobs uh, doing their masters now okay. so now i'm thinking that you know after mds uh, these days the uh, newcomers are having such a great time doing fellowships and all that they weren't that easily available during our time in the 80s and yeah. 90s so now i want to pursue that fashion do uh, wow. do a fellowship do a phd do something study go get back to academics i couldn't do all that because you know earlier you can't uh, take that much time out of your practice you can't uh, miss clinics for so many uh, uh days you can't leave your family for so many days but all that's you know cool now it's really interesting that uh, your journey when you when you passed out from your 12th standard you wanted to be um you wanted to take up mbbs but then ultimately you landed up in dentistry and it's so interesting to know that you wanted to actually take up gynecology gynecology you are so focused about everything that you wanted so instead of gynecology uh, it's dentistry Actually, there is, you know, there's a very funny thing, uh, Mayur. There is a gynecologist called Ashwini Bhale Rao Gandhi in uh, Hinduja, and many Seriously? patients sometimes come to me. Absolutely, oh my and God. many patients come to me, and many of my patients go to her. Mm-hmm. And she finally told one of my patient that, you know, we operate from the opposite end. <laughs> She operates from top. I operate from down. So that is a good thing. Yeah, yeah. That's so. That's so cool. I mean, it's it's such a coincidence yeah. that you have a person of the same it's a, it's name with the kind of profession that you wanted to be. Absolutely, it's, it's a major coincidence, actually. Uh, so since you're talking about your uh, fellowship in uh, Glasgow, uh, can you tell a little bit about it so that our listeners can go? and understand how how it actually functions so did you have to go there um, how does this fellowship uh, no uh, i will be going there see what happens is it's your biodata it's your body of work it's the list of publications that you have and after a certain uh, body of work they uh, interview you and uh, they follow you and uh, they check your credentials and then you are offered that fellowship that can be 3 months of maximum 3 months of observership and working in the oral surgery department yeah yeah that's really really cool it's experience and you've mentioned in your bio you've done postgraduate diploma in medico legal systems from simbiosis institute 
Yeah, that was long time back when I started private practice. I got one or two dangerous cases where, uh, you know, I suddenly felt I need to know more about the legal profession too. It was once about payment of dues and once about paresthesia. And uh, it was about uh, simply the patient taking the doctor for granted. So, uh, they had come up with this new course and I felt that surgeons especially need to know about medical legal sequences uh, to enable themselves to be, you know. It was a long time back, 20 years back and I feel every dentist should do it just so that they have a watertight, airtight consent form at least in their clinic because competition is hotting up and uh, patients are becoming more aware due to online education and Mr. Google is spoiling all of them. So, it's always better to be aware of your rights and that's why it's not such a big deal or it's you're not studying law. So, by correspondence, all dentists should do this medical legal course. Yeah, the only thing is uh, once in three months, I think you said you have to go there. You have to go there for two, for three, two days. three days. That's, that's manageable. That's yeah. Manageable. Cool, really nice. Um, in your bio, there's something really interesting that I actually want to talk about. You've written that um, you were invited uh, on the TEDx podium. So, you were a TEDx speaker at the Leading Ladies in Dentistry Conclave. Uh, that happened in Germany in 2017. Uh, can, yes, you, can you yes. um, speak about that? Uh, can you speak a little bit about yeah, that? Yeah, it was a fantastic. Uh, it was a fantastic experience. Mm-hmm. Professor Henriette Lerner, a leading uh, female dentist from Germany. She practices in Baden-Baden, okay. and she was currently, in fact, last year the president of Digital Dentistry Society. She uh, went online and on publications and she spoke to colleges across India and she spoke to her colleagues. Like So, it was a fantastic experience. I met 35 leading ladies or female practitioners from 35 uh, different uh, countries and cities. And uh, then we realized that we were in the same board, same page and it was fantastic. In fact, this Sunday... The same leading lady uh, conclave is organizing a webinar congress along with Quintessence and I am speaking my 13 golden rules of how to balance everything. Really nice, inspiring. So, all the people uh, are part of this group, the 35 people, the 35 women in this group. They are a part of that group and uh, some got even added more. And one thing which I would like to add out here is that uh, as a oral surgeon, uh, when I started practicing earlier, I was, uh, you know, exposed to a lot of uh, special uh, need children for extractions. Downs children and uh, attention deficit and Addison's disease and uh, mentally retarded cerebral palsy and all those. And they all had a problem called macroglossia that overlarged tongue. So, even extractions used to hurt that uh, because they never had any control. And it was dangerous to give them general anesthesia in a dental clinic because they were basically overgrown uh, kids or rather young adults. So, I developed a special instrument called as the spoon retractor. It's like a tablespoon with an elevator handle. So, I developed that specially for those kids and in the end of the extraction, those kids used to be given those uh, that retractor as a gift to take home 
and they all never had a good enough grip to eat you know and they used to really like eating using that elevator as a spoon once they reached home so i presented that instrument at the conference really nice uh, so all the people in this group they are all um, physicians or dentists or clinicians they are all uh, they are all dentists whoa really cool very nice amazing okay ma'am so let's jump into our main topic now that is uh, oral surgery let's jump into that yeah so my first question uh, is um, uh, what is your opinion on general dentists doing third molar surgeries uh, should they start doing it and yeah see uh, do it or no yeah that is a question most asked to me because everyone feels i'm diluting the uh, a uh, profession or rather i'm teaching uh, skills to general dentists and thus depriving the oral surgeons of their income which is absolutely no true not true general dentistry uh, encompasses oral surgical procedures and uh, abroad every dentist is taught third molar disimpactions and dentoalveolar fractures so third molar surgeries can be extractions can be surgical and non surgical a general dentist i feel should morally be able to do third molar extractions and dentoalveolar surgeons uh, surgeries on their own fractures they should not turn these patients away or keep them waiting for a oral surgeon to come by now do they learn oral surgery so ideally i would like to say that every college should teach these general dentists in their internship year the basic the third molar procedures but if they don't then the general dentist must learn them outside through some course or through some fellowship or through some observership and polish their hands and they should be able to do these third molar procedures on their own it is not rocket science it is common sense it is knowledge about anatomy it is a good surgical hand and every dentist is doing implants so when you do implants you develop a surgical hand any which ways which makes you capable of doing these procedures vice versa you do learn how to do these procedures you are better at placing implants so your confidence goes up in handling emergencies and handling everything third molar surgery is the first major surgical procedure in dentistry and every dentist must be capable of doing it okay ma'am that's awesome uh how much time do you give behind surgery planning and how do you go about planning a third molar disimpaction see a surgery uh, planning is the main thing right so when you plan a surgery you must follow the reverse uh, way of procedure look at the end result first in mind that which is the direction in which the tooth will come out that is first and then accordingly you will say okay ye daat yahan se nikalne wala hai look at it like a car stuck in a traffic jam if i have to take that car out which are the cars i should move so then how much bone to remove how much uh, sectioning of the tooth to do and lastly would be of flap so i will look at the x ray first i will first decide which is the bone i have to remove where do i have to place the elevator then i will decide lastly the design of the flap i will draw all this on a piece of paper so in my head the, i have already performed the surgery from the flap the bone gutter to elevation 
to taking the tooth out with the forceps and to suturing and then i will give an appointment to the patient and do the actual surgery right uh, how do you go about deciding ki kitna bone nikalna hai aur yes, kahan se nikalna hai that bone That's bone nikalna hai matlab the bone should be removed below the cj of the 8 the there is about 1 mm of cortical bone always in the mandible then comes the cancellous bone so basically you have to remove the bone below the convexity below the bulk of the tooth once you remove the bone till here then elevation then the tooth is going to come out if you remove the bone right only till here and the cj is out here it's not going to work so the bone removal has to be below the cj of the 8 you will understand when you have reached the below the cj of the 8 is when you see feel your burr sinking in it just sinks in you face resistance when you are in the cortical bone the moment you go below cj you have reached the cancellous part of mandible and your burr sinks in that's when you know you have reached below cj and you start elevating so on the x-ray you will mark the cj and you will mark 2 millimeters below the cj where you have to remove the bone if you are taking a cbct you will look at the cross section 2 millimeters below the cj is where your bone removal will stop all right all right cool ma'am um sometimes it happens that okay uh, before i ask that question i wanted to ask um, do you perform elevation in all your extractions elevation does 80 percent of the job forceps hmm. are just to remove the mobile tooth you have True. to make the tooth great to mobile with the elevator unless the hmm. tooth is mobile don't touch with the forceps you go to remove a tooth only with a forceps without elevating you are surely going to crack the tooth midway and be staring yes. at a pothole mm -hmm. with root stuck mm -hmm. inside and not knowing what to do that's the most difficult situation absolutely actually... so that's why it is very very important that you elevate well first right and if bone re removal is required we have to bone remove two millimeters below the below CJ. the cj okay uh what if somebody removes excess of bone uh is it's uh, would there be bone... more complications there would be there would be swelling see bone removal is has to be accompanied by cool irrigation that means saline kept in the refrigerator cold ice cold saline i call it so if bone is heated up there is no irrigation then bone removal is going to cause osteitis bone necrosis severe pain dry socket and all sorts of complications but always remember bone sets the tone but soft tissue that's the issue so it's not bone removal that causes swelling it's that harsh retraction of the soft tissue that causes the swelling in trying to remove more bone the dentist who is not trained to do third molar extractions ends up pulling at the soft tissue way too hard and when you pull at the soft tissue way too hard trying to see what you're doing you end up giving the patient a huge amount of edema, hematoma and swelling. So always mind it that remove bone with cool irrigation that is not going to cause a swelling. It is your gentling, gentle handling of the retraction that is going to decide the issue.
right man uh the next question is uh, many a times uh, what happens is uh when i put the elevator i'm not getting a purchase uh, as much yeah, as i because you haven't removed enough bone so you have okay. to create a wedge you have to create a wedge and that will happen only if you remove bone below 2 mm of the cj that's when you can place your elevator in this nice wedge use the adjacent bone and the seven as a fulcrum and elevate the tooth right right okay and you will be placing it right between the seven bone and the eight, and, uh, bone yeah, and the, and the eight. seven and the eight yeah and when there is no seven make a deeper ditch mesial to okay. eight so that you mm-hmm. use the bone only as a fulcrum rest the okay. elevator against the alveolar bone the wedge and elevate the tooth yeah that's that's exactly what i was looking for because many a times seven is missing seven is absent then, yeah yeah okay so okay. make but, a deeper ditch still really hard yeah cool. make cool. a deeper ditch okay okay right so uh, how do you go about deciding uh, the complexity of the case whether or not a general dentist should call uh, uh, an oral surgeon and See, stuff uh, like that mesio angular look at the roots of the tooth decide mm-hmm. looking at the roots a conical okay. root means a easy case two right. roots means a difficult case hooked roots means a difficult case that means more okay. bone so start mm-hmm. your practice start your uh, innings as a third molar specialist by doing mm-hmm. small crowns conical roots single roots yeah. seven present non carious teeth all such mm-hmm. things experience yeah. will show you all right this is a bulky tooth this is distoangular this is horizontal this will require sectioning i need to call in a oral surgeon so doctors can start with conical roots single roots small crowns intact crowns mesioangular and verticals leave the horizontal and distoangulars to the oral surgeon right right okay so when do you decide when when you actually want to section the tooth and how deep are you going to first, be making the section first first you elevate it when you are okay. putting your entire body weight onto the tooth and the tooth mm-hmm. is not coming out that means you need to section so then always section at the weak part of the tooth and that is the cj so section it at the cj separate the crown and the roots take the crown out first move the root in the empty space created by the crown and take the root mm-hmm. out next right that em- empty space is so important for yes. moving yes yes the roots in totally right right uh, a couple of uh, questions like what are the general must follow protocols before somebody should start the third molar disimpactions first is learn how to give the proper anesthesia all your blocks okay. must work you all mm-hmm. must know lignocaine and the physiology of the local anesthetic solution completely learn how to give intravenous dexamethasone and voviran learn how to take a neat flap after that learn how to cut bone with proper irrigation once you know all this you're the best person to take out a third right uh what are your favorite elevators straight <laughs> elevator only straight elevator okay. for everything and awesome. warwick james hockey stick elevator uh, for root pieces 
Right. Um, any suggestion for ankylosis? Ankylosis requires sectioning. So when you have okay. a removed bone below the CEJ, yet with the elevator, the tooth is not moving at all. That means it is ankylosed and it is best to section the tooth and remove it piece in pieces. Right, right. Uh, Ma'am, you spoke about flap design. Can you, can you explain in a nutshell about how you plan it? So this vertical incision should be from the distobuccal cusp downwards to the mesiobuccal cusp of 7. Go backwards along the cervical gingiva, backwards to the center of the crest of the 7 ridge or the center of the central groove of the 8. Go right. backwards and upwards along the external oblique ridge or the anterior border of the ramus, one finger mm -hmm. above the occlusal level of the mandibular teeth. The base okay. of the flap should be broad and right. always use a P14 uh, Euphredi elevator. Oh, okay, cool. For reflecting the flap. Yes. Okay. Uh, Ma'am, you mentioned about drilling. Uh, do you use any specific particular drills yes. for uh, drilling? Yes, micro the motor and the burr to be used is 703 SS white carbide burr. Okay. Sutures, uh, I would like to talk about. Suturing is as okay. important as the beginning. So, don't give the sutures to your assistant. Do them yourself. And the yeah. needle to be used is 18, uh, uh, size number 18, cutting needle. Alright, it comes okay. in a half circle form. The suture right. material to be used is 40 black silk or 40 vicryl if you are using absorbable. Alright, ma'am. Uh, you mentioned about uh, dexamethasone and um, using uh, it, IV. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Um, so, can you explain about the doses in an archer? You can use dexamethasone, you can use betamethasone, 100 ml dec uh, dexamethasone in a while. And when you are doing a third molar surgery or any surgery, even implant surgery for that matter, before mm. you learn how to do surgery, you must learn how to cope with the complications. And that mm. means learning how to give Allegra or Avil or a steroid well, in case the mm. patient goes into a syncope or anaphylactic shock. And that's mm. where uh, you must learn how to give intramuscular or intravenous injection. Intravenous right. injection into the cuboidal fossa, armpit or the mm. wrist, that involves a teaching a steep learning curve. But yeah. intramuscular is in the butt. Divide the mm. butt into four quadrants, outer and upper. Okay. So, take a dexamethasone vial. Mm -hmm. Take the whole vial. Whenever you take an injectable, be it an ampule or a vial, it should, you should not take half a dose or quarter dose or suppose. It's the whole dose. Don't mm -hmm. break it like a tablet or adha flexon diya, adha combiflam diya, they say adha tekka nahi de sakte hai. So, mm -hmm. take the entire vial, fill your syringe with it and inject the patient intravenously or intramuscularly immediately post-surgery. The post-operative okay. swelling is zero the next day. Okay, okay. And you follow it for every patient? I follow it for every patient other than diabetics. You don't give steroids to diabetics because mm -hmm. the sugar level goes up. Okay, ma'am. Okay, ma'am. Uh, ma'am, how often are you using PRF? I use PRF now for every case. PRF is a lifesaver. Oh. 
and it has growth factors such as leukocytes, platelets and fibrin. So it works as a fibrin glue. It increases mm. the role of osteoblasts and fibroblasts. It builds angiogenesis that is capillary formation. So I have zero incidence of dry socket ever since I started using PRF. Awesome, really good. So can you explain the process of um, generating The process is, uh, is you need first a centrifuge. It can be yeah. from Shukran's uh, uh, the gold standard centrifuge or any other centrifuge. Mm. The calibration is done in the machine itself. All you have to do mm. is collect blood. That means intravenously okay. take 10 cc, 5 cc of the patient's blood, put it in the centrifuge machine. There are choices, injectable PRF, PRF plug. What we require mm. is a PRF or PRF plug. Just press the right. button on that. 1300 mm. uh, uh, RPM, RPM into yeah. 8 minutes. That's it. Oh, so by the time okay. your surgery is done, before that your PRF plug is ready. And when you are okay, withdrawing okay. blood, through the same prick, you inject dexamethasone preoperatively, to bhi chalta hai, so that oh, you okay. don't prick the patient twice intravenously. Oh, really cool. And uh, okay, so you are doing, uh, so you are collecting blood before you start the surgery itself. Yes. Cool. Mm-hmm. And uh, what what would be, uh, sometimes what happens is the surgery does go on for a very long time. So, uh, the PRF is... stays for about two hours. Okay. It doesn't disintegrate. Really cool. Nice. Uh, how do you manage, now to the last question, how do you manage post-operative complications? See, I know you're not operatively, having Post-operatively, you have uh, early complications, late-op complications. Post-operatively, first complication is a swelling. So, release it will be hematoma or edema. So, always prescribe chymotrypsin. Once you prescribe chymotrypsin, the swelling comes down, right? And if it is hematoma, how will you know the patient opens the mouth the next day when he comes for a checkup to your clinic? You see serous discharge, that is the transparent red liquid coming out from the wound area between the sutures. So, that's when you know that you had secondary bleeding and below the sutures, the blood clot got collected and that's the serious discharge coming out. So, you open the lowermost suture, the suture below the 7, allow the drainage to happen on its own. So, that's how the swelling comes down. Trismus, ask the patient to do warm salt water gargles. Okay. That allows the swelling to decrease. And ice application is a must in the first 24 hours. After that, no ice application at all. Oh, okay, okay. Awesome. So, ma'am, you are using uh, silk sutures most often? Always silk sutures. Unless the patient is not going to come back to me, going abroad or is old, then use Vicryl because Vicryl takes about 15 days to disappear from the mouth. Till then, food gets collected on the knots and it can lead to secondary infection. Cool. And you ask the patient, you, you you ask them to come for a recall in 7 Reco- days? After 7 days for suture removal, mm-hmm. second after 24 hours for a checkup. If there oh, is pain okay. on the 4th day, the patient is supposed to immediately come to the clinic because on the 4th day, I will come to know if the patient is going into a dry socket. If the patient oh, okay. is going into a dry socket, I will immediately remove the sutures, flush the okay. area and pack mm-hmm. it with a dry socket dressing. Now about dry socket, there is seriously no magic cure. 
if mm-hmm. you have gone into a dry socket which can be due to smoking or the low immunity on the patient side or traumatic mm-hmm. surgery on your side where you drilled bone without adequate cool irrigation mm-hmm. then mm-hmm. there is only one cure in my opinion and that is mixing zinc oxide with alveogel fibers alveogel fibers are cotton fibers soaked in betadine iodine and benzocaine right and okay. you they also have eugenol so you mix these okay. alveogel fibers with zinc oxide powder make a big ball of cement pack the socket with this ball and leave the dressing there don't change the dressing don't okay. resuture or i don't go to induce bleeding because that means reputting the patient on another course of antibiotic i just yeah. clean the socket with betadine flush it with cool saline and pack it with betadine uh, sorry the zinc oxide uh, ball which i have mm. made as the socket heals with secondary intention as the socket fills up from bottom up the mm-hmm. cement ball gets ejected on its own right right oh okay cool so this alveogel is available commercially septodon. right by, uh, yeah septodon Septodon. Oh, okay, okay. And you mentioned about trypsin and chymotrypsin. That's what yes. you you prescribe. Flamar, three D uh, or something. No, I prescribe Ketoral as painkiller, Augmentin okay. as the, or the Cefixime. Yeah. That's Zephy CV two hundred, Chymotrypsin four three times a day, Ketoral three times a day, or Flexon three times a day. Uh, to right. my mind, Flamar D or uh, Enzoflam or something. In my case, I causes okay. acidity. So I prefer Ketrolac oh, okay. or okay. I prefer uh, Ultraset. Oh, oh, is it? Oh, cool. Yeah. Uh, and I think Ketrol can be uh, you, you, people can have it even before dinner if I'm not wrong. They can. No? It's disposable tablet. Yeah. So at the time okay. of dinner, just place it on the tongue and let it dissolve. Um. Now it's time for the pro talk. So I'll invite Dr. Vinith. uh to ask his question so dr vinit is an oral surgeon from mumbai itself and okay. uh, he has a question for you pro talk hi everyone i am dr vinit pandey oral and maxillofacial surgeon from mumbai i have a query for dr ashwini ma'am what parameters one must consider to gauge the difficulty of wisdom tooth surgery other than the angulation of the tooth like size of the tongue maximum mouth opening cheek flexibility obesity buccal fat or any other parameters that you would recommend thank you so my answer would be experience but i would say that first check the oral opening do not attempt a patient with trismus leave that to a oral surgeon if the patient's opening is wide if the crown is small if it is a small conical root then a general dentist should start off third molar extractions with such teeth large tongue gag reflex trismus all these require a experienced hand and maybe that's where the general dentist can call in a oral surgeon and assist the mm-hmm. oral surgeon so he mm-hmm. also understands the intricacies of a third molar disimpaction surgery mm-hmm. so true um so dr vinith is the consulting surgeon who comes at my place really good at his work as well okay. really nice person uh ma'am one last question uh sometimes yeah. during third molar extractions there's heavy amount of pressure that comes on the tmj 
हाउ डू वी सॉल्व दिस या सो ऑलवेज ऑलवेज सपोर्ट दी मैंडेबल विथ योर अदर हैंड वेन यू आर एक्सट्रैक्टिंग वेन यू आर एलिवेटिंग द टूथ If you yeah. are unable to do that, ask your assistant to support the mandible from behind the patient's head, so mm-hmm. that way the TMJ is not luxated when you are elevating the tooth. Hmm. Right. And sometimes what ha- actually has happened in my case also, the tooth is like really mobile, but it's just not coming out because it's getting caught. It's dilacerated yeah. and it's hooked. Hmm. In hmm. that hmm. case, you have to either dig a deeper tense uh, trench. or mm-hmm. just start sectioning the tooth at cj remove the crown then once the crown is removed the root can be twisted and elevated faster oh okay oh nice uh, and ma'am last about uh, paresthesia um, if we have damage paresthesia is every oral surgeon's nightmare it is not really damage to the third uh, inferior alveolar nerve nowadays with cbct it has become easier so with a rvg or a iopa or with a opg you come to know that the tooth is close to the nerve always send the patient for a single tooth cbct it's not that expensive with the color code you come to know how close the nerve is to the tooth right if the hmm. nerve is touching the tooth call in a oral surgeon if there is space then mm-hmm. you can go ahead and do that on the own cool right. irrigation is important paresthesia mm. is more mm. due to inflammation of the nerve and that mm. inflammation is due to vibrations of the hand piece vibrations of mm. the burr mm. heating of the bone for paresthesia mm. to get cured is very difficult and time consuming and the drugs to be given are methacobalamin mm. and pregalin and that mm. is a combination called meganeuron or pregalin mm. 75 or methacobal or neurobion fort it takes right, up to 6 right. months to 10 months for the nerve sensation to come back it is called, right. it can be hyperparesthesia also where the patient mm-hmm. after 1 2 months will come back to you saying ki jhinjina pan ho raha hai mm-hmm. i feel suddenly heavy i can't talk i start stammering so that means the nerve is regenerating and it is best to have a neurophysician as your best friend who can advise you on how to treat the patient or on a friendly basis you can send your patient to that neurophysician to get the correct doses of right methacobal and gabapentin right and it's so important to start all these drugs immediately yes. and not wait yes dexamethasone and prf they really right. reduce the inflammation caused to the nerve so even if you have manage to somehow damage the nerve if you yeah. give intravenous dexa and if you have placed prf the mm-hmm. healing process starts immediately okay. and there is a 90% okay. chance that the patient would no, not get paresthesia in the first place awesome ma'am uh, really cool as really really happy with today's session learned a lot just by talking to you it was really thank nice you. to have you on the show thank you right ma'am awesome thanks That is all we have time for in this episode of the 32 minute podcast. Do check out all our blogs, contests, events and other episodes on 32minute.com. If you have questions for any of the speakers interviewed on my podcast or if you are someone who has valuable information or experience that can help the listeners or if you would want me to call a particular guest on my show, please mail me on podcast at 32minute.com. 
I'm also open to your suggestions and ideas to make the show more helpful and exciting. Don't forget to join our Telegram group for all the updates on our activities on the 32 minute podcast. I release an episode every Sunday morning, so do subscribe to my podcast to get an alert when I release the next episode. Please remember, it takes 30 hours of hard work for a single episode on the podcast. So, if you like the show, please leave a review and a rating on my podcast. This is your host Dr. Mayur Dawda signing off for now. I'll meet you in the next episode of my podcast. Till then, keep listening, keep learning.